Bibles to the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5. Brother Tim let me know that we didn't have special music. I, I kind of took that as preach long. You can <laughs> preach long then. Well, 1 Thessalonians 5.16 are we as excited about Jesus Christ as we were, say, the first year of our saved life, shortly after we were saved? You know, because it's possible. It's possible for that to happen. It doesn't seem that way for a lot of Christians. And I, I say that including myself. We all... We all struggle. Uh, I heard a message one time years ago on fanning the fire. And at the time I had this thought, well, I don't praise the Lord. I, I don't seem to need that right now. Everything seems to be going well. But during that message, I heard if you don't need that fire fanned right now, you're going to need it one day. And, and we all need that. We all need it at one time or another. And, you know, there are, there are many helps out there, some of them good, some of them not so good, I think. It seems like there's a market that people try to, to capture with, with writing books and different things. And, and Eureka, I have come up with a new solution on us keeping our zeal in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, some say we need something new because we're facing new temptations today in an ever-changing world. Well, I don't know about that. You know, Billy Sunday had a, had a prevention for backsliding. And this was years ago. And he said, spend 15 minutes a day listening to God talk to you at least 15 minutes a day. In other words, read your Bible. Spend 15 minutes a day at least talking to God. In other words, prayer. And spend at least 15 minutes a day telling someone about God. Witness. 15, 15, and 15. That sounds pretty good. That, that will work today just as it did the day he said that. I say that because we're going to get back to the basics tonight. In, in my time of talking to Christians and trying to help Christians, some have just said there's just something going on, there's just a hindrance, and it's just a mystery, and I just can't figure it out. I'm willing to do whatever I need to do to have zeal for the Lord, and I, I just can't put my finger on it. I just don't know what it is that I need to do or what I need. And people start searching. They start searching for something new. They start searching for something different, something fresh they've never heard before when that's the opposite of what the Christian needs to do. We need to get back to the basics. Paul closes this letter to the church at Thessalonica. By the way, it was a church that 
that Paul was, was glad to write to, this church has been considered a very spiritually rich church. They were doing very well. Paul was not able to be with them in the beginning of the church to establish it for a very long period of time. He left much quicker than he desired to, but it was God's will and the, and the church was continuing on faithful. So he writes this letter and toward the end, he wants to give them some words that will help them continue with the great progress they have made. What does he write to them to keep them refreshed, to keep them going on? Well, he didn't have uh, some complicated details for them uh, on something that he just reached down deep in his studies for them to be able to remain strong. He didn't have an essay for them that he wrote explaining a new theory for zeal in the Christian life. He didn't say, I have something fresh, I have something you've never heard before, and it is exactly what you need. No, he didn't. He went back to the firsts of the faith. The fundamentals of our faith. The very basic necessities that we all start out with. Look in verse 16. How about joyfulness in the Christian's life? He starts writing and he simply says, rejoice evermore. Joy is not given on occasion by Jesus. God has constant gladness for the life of his children. He gives gladness to his children all the time. Notice the instruction here. It's rejoicing at all times, always. Rejoicing and being joyful all the time. How about rejoicing over every good and perfect gift that's from above, that's given to us from our Father? How about the mercy of God? It's, it's all the time. It's something we can consider and rejoice over all the time. How about His grace? How about the cross at Calvary? Can we rejoice in the cross? How about what Jesus does in our life? How about healing He gives us? How about restoration He gives us? How about the great reconciliation that He offers to us? I heard a testimony at lunch and... And, and I just sat and thought while I heard it, that's, that's just what I love to hear out, out of a Christian. Not just I believe in Jesus. Those, those powerful, divine moments where God meets with us in a very special way. He is so good to us and it's something we can rejoice over all the time. Rejoice evermore. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 5, Paul was in a situation where he couldn't be with that church. He was far from them, but he rejoiced in their steadfastness in the faith. John, in the book of 3 John, he's older, we know, and he writes to, to Christians and he calls them little children. And he says, I rejoiced to see thy children walking in truth. You know, my experience with people, it seems like the more, the older we get, the easier it is to be satisfied. 
I don't, I, I'm not going to say anything bad about my mama. I love my mama, but, but my dad did a lot to, to satisfy her, make her happy through the years. And these days in my mom's life, it's so easy to satisfy her. And, and John was able to have joy in his heart, to exult for joy within over another Christian's faith. Do we do that? Because the worldly idea, we rejoice in maybe what we get, good things that are done for us. That, that's the worldly idea. But the, but the Christian rejoices over the blessings of others as well as the blessings we receive ourselves. Rejoice with them that rejoice, it says in Romans 12. The joy that we're able to have all the time. It's because we have a lot of people to rejoice over. Peter tells us, But rejoice in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when His glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad with exceeding joy. He speaks of us rejoicing in Christ's sufferings. Any sufferings we go through for our faith now, he speaks of you and I rejoicing in that. And one day, in, in glory, there is going to be exceeding rejoicing. So consider, consider when he says rejoice evermore, don't consider this an impossibility. Consider all that we have to rejoice in, and we can. Joy is provided in every occasion of our lives. We can find something to joy in, and we don't have to look far. The basics. Get back to the basics. The Christian has the opportunity to be joyful all the time. How about prayer? Pray without ceasing. How about prayer? You know, that's at the top of the list with the Word of God concerning, concerning the highest level of worship. Worship of the Lord is His Word and it's in prayer. It's other things too, but Word and prayer is at the top of the list. We are doubting and we are limiting God when we are prayerless. Would we like to know if we're really depending on the Lord? Because I had all of those questions when I was first saved. I was, I was asking, what is my faith like? How, how much faith do I have? Do I really depend on God? Prayer will tell. Do we walk with the Lord in prayer? The basics, okay? Prayer is to be an unvarying practice in our lives. There is absolutely nothing that is, is, that is an excuse that is okay for you and I not to be in prayer. Nothing should get in the way of our prayer time. There is never not time for prayer with God to bow our hearts before Almighty God and let Him know how much we need Him and have that line open of prayer and talking to Him. Philippians tells us that worry is canceled out by prayer. Be careful for nothing but by prayer in everything. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Prayer is our conduit of strength for our lives. We allow things to get in the way of prayer. And look, it is not acceptable. 
And, and I know, and I speak from experience, that all of a sudden we just seem to be weaker in our prayer life than, than what we should be. We shouldn't be weak at all in prayer. But all of a sudden we just see that. When we see that things are waning in our lives, we track it down and we realize what does our prayer life look like. And that we are to be praying all the time. We are to be vocalizing our dependence on God with what comes from our heart to Him. Prayer is to be like an overflowing brook. Prayer is to be like a hacking cough. Don't you hate that thing you get when the, when the ragweed starts coming through and, and you, just the cough, it's all the time. You try to laugh at something and that laugh turns into a cough. Don't you hate that? Oh, that's what our prayer life is to be like. It is to be constant. You want another one? How about thankfulness? Look with me in verse 18. Let's cover the basics tonight. In everything, give thanks. Let, let's just stop right there. A man came home one day to his front door only to find out that someone had broken into his home and taken many of his things. And the first words out of his mouth were, I thank God that I was robbed and I wasn't the robber. Every moment can be made a matter of thanksgiving to God. There is something always to give God thanks for. And he expects it. He expects thanks from his people. As good and as amazing as he is, he's better to us than we could ever deserve. And there is always a time for thanksgiving to him. When we believe that all things work together for good, we will be thankful in all things. When we come to terms with the fact that we deserve nothing, when we come to terms with the fact that we deserve absolutely nothing, that is going to be a key in you and I being thankful in all things. Nothing will suck the life out of thankfulness more than an entitlement mentality. We need to be thankful for everything we get because we do not deserve it. We can be thankful for being thankful if we're thankful because not everyone is thankful. I'm telling you, you, you look for it. You're their biggest fan. You want to see thankfulness in their life. You would like to squeeze it out of them, but you never see an ounce of thanks. Be thankful if you've discovered that you deserve nothing and God deserves all the glory anyway. And anything that comes your way, you consider a blessing and you're thankful to God for it. Look at, look at the end of verse 18. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. God has determined... And his, here's his three-step plan. Here is his uh, weekend getaway, refreshing, reviving, coming back to zeal in the Lord plan. He has determined that we get back to the basics and stick with them continually. 
Notice the continuous sense of everything that is mentioned here. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. That's what's going on when we feel like we are, we are just decaying some and we're not everything that we know we can be in the Lord and we can't put our finger on it. Well, yes, we can. Joyful all the time and thankful all the time. Let's look at the Spirit of God in verse 19. It says, quench not the Spirit. Have you ever gone to someone's house and the minute you walk in the door, it's just uncomfortable and you don't really want to sit down. And if you do, you just kind of sit on the edge of the couch and you sit there very still. You've you've been there. I don't know what it was with my son when he was about three or four years old, but we could just walk into a restaurant. Here's a new restaurant we haven't been in before. And he walks in and he freezes and the crocodile tears come down and he says, I don't want to eat here. I want to leave. We never could put our finger on what it was, but it was just that feeling. You ever feel that way in somebody's house? Anybody do? Am I alone in that? Has everybody been comfortable in every home they ever walked in? Can somebody give me something tonight? Have you? No, thanks. Even even if you don't mean it, thanks. Because we have to qualify it with this. How about in your very own home if you felt that way? Where you live, where you are all the time. Now, if you're if you're 73, still at home with your parents, you ought to feel that way. But but typically, but typically we we're not, we don't want to feel that way in our own home. You know, the Lord has taken up residence in our lives. He lives within you and I. He has come and made a home in the hearts of the ones who have trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And when we're not confessing our sins to the Lord... And, and holding on to that promise that He is faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And if we're living in any deliberate sin, that's how the Lord fills in our lives. Quench not the Holy Spirit of God. Sin by design. Look, it's fighting against the Holy Spirit who lives within you and I. The Bible says, Be ye filled with the Spirit. That means to be under the influence of the Spirit. To be in submission to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Within the Trinity of God, the Holy Spirit is given to you and I so that we might live the Christian life. I'm telling you, the natural man is not going to live the Christian life. It's a spiritual life. It's a miracle to be able to do so. And it takes the Holy Spirit at home, living at home, feeling at home, and dwelling within you and I. We are we ought, to, we ought to aim for zero unconfessed sins that we know of in our lives. What a promise we need to, we need to remember and, and embrace every day. We are our own worst enemy if we're not confessing those things that have offended our God. 
And if you can't think of anyone on a certain day, I promise you there's some there for us. Just tell them you're a sinner. Tell them you're a sinner and you know you've offended him. Because this flesh is going to until he takes us home to glory. Let us not suppress the power of the person of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Look with me in verse 20 at the word of God. How about this for one of the basics? Despise not prophesyings. You know, some people get real excited when they hear and see the word prophecy in the New Testament. Well, understand that the Bible was being written here, obviously. And you, you need to see, and I need to see prophecy two ways. It's the foretelling of God's word, which it was in 52 AD. And now it's the telling forth of God's completed word that we have. And we are called to the basics of the faith in the word of God tonight. Never make little or never make light of, never neglect the word of God. For the wayward child that is causing the loving parents just to grieve within, you hold on to that probability of training up your child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart. You hold, that's not an absolute, but you hold on to God's word, which will tell you that. How about the promise concerning pressure in our lives? In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, it says, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be attempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. Praise God that the child of God living in the will of God has the promise of God that we're going to make it through whatever he's taken us to. We're going to be able to bear it. We're going to be able to deal with it. We're going to be able to make it through. How about the protection of God's peace in my life, in, in your life? I said my life because I was thinking about my Bible that I just lost on the street. And beside Philippians 4, 7, I had some occasions written by, by that verse that have happened in my life. Uh, maybe you're offended by somebody writing in their Bible. I, I write all in my Bible. I don't write little pictures of stick figures and monsters and stuff. But I write things beside verses. It reminds me of a sermon I heard. Or I'll write a, a, a divine, powerful moment in my life that reminds me of something in, in the verse that, that, I have, uh, that I have had my life situation laced within in Philippians 4, 7 is one of those verses and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. How about that promise of peace? How about you and I never despising the word of God? I'm telling you tonight that we never need more than the word of God, but we need more of the word of God. We constantly need more of that word. What's wrong in my life? What's this mysterious thing? What's going on that I need? What is going to give me that jump start? It's going to be more of the word of God. Maybe you're getting some of the word of God, but you and I need more of the word of God. We should never pass up any opportunity for a Bible study to be in the Word of God, expecting Him and believing Him to do great things. 
Oh, Corey said he wished his church was seven days a week and he would be there under the word of God. And, and I wouldn't believe that out of a lot of people, but I believe that out of him. Praise God when we know we need it and we need more and we need more of it. Let's look at an examination here in verse 21 as we're covering the basics here tonight to, 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 solve, to solve our mysterious issues that are in this good old black book here. It says, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. It's good to read the word of God. That's a basic we just got finished with. It's good to learn the Word of God. It's good to learn what it means. And it's great to put it to the test in our lives. Render not evil for evil. How about we put it to the test that we return good for evil? Just put God's word to the test and see what happens in a situation. We probably all have a past experience of evil for evil that we can compare it to and just see how good God's word is. Try it out in shoe leather. Don't return evil for evil. The marriage is something that's always on my heart. It's... it's uh, there's no 50-50% in marriage that's going to work. It's 100-100%. Husbands, be not bitter against your wives. That hurt me just as much as any man, baby, that I brought that up. But, but let, us, let us try the Word of God out and just see what happens. Let's see what happens with, with just the clearest submission that God calls a wife to in the marriage and just see what happens in marriage. It's a beautiful thing that God has put together in relationship. I, di I, didn't, I didn't see the beauty of marriage growing up too much, but praise God that in Christ Jesus, he, he shows us and does through us what we could never do ourselves. Let us put it to the test. Children, teenagers, any child living in your parents' home, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Just see how right things get when you do what God says is right, kids. It's amazing what God will do when we prove His work, when we try His word. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. There will be a lot of things that we discard. There will be a lot of habits and things we just get out of our lives. If I handed every one of you a banana, I doubt you would just take a big old bite out of the peel and everything. But you would peel that banana and you would throw the peel aside and you would eat the core of that banana and that's what we do when we take God's word and we live God's word we throw away the old we throw away the old habits we throw away the fleshly responses we throw away the radical crazy stupid things that our feelings would have us to do and we prove the word of God and we respond to the word of God and the word of God dictates our marriage and the word of God dictates our lives um there's the basics. How about some abstaining in verse 22? 
Abstain from all appearance of evil. It seems like this area that does not exist called the gray area is just expanding and expanding in people's minds. And oh, the deception. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Oh, the deception that evil is. Because it's tricky. Some things will seem pleasurable. We will stick them in this gray area like, like, oh, this isn't that bad. It's okay. I'm not going to get counsel from any of my brothers or any of my sisters. I just believe that this isn't all that bad and I'm going to do this. I don't need any counsel. Me and the Lord, we've got this. That's always turned out bad when someone told me that. They come against the council, and me and the Lord, we've got this. Oh, the deception. Things can appear so sweet, but they're really bitter in the end. And a lot of times we knew it, but we deceived ourselves because we wanted to do what we wanted to do. We need to abstain. The pleasurable things that cause destruction. Look, it's a danger zone. And evil comes in many species, in many shapes, in many forms, in many colors, in many sizes. And we need to be aware. There are some things that aren't even sinful. But there's other things that will try to tag along with it and ruin it. And it warrants you and I getting some things out of our lives. And just staying away from a situation that looks wrong. How about some abstaining? How about the fact that we're sanctified? We can go look for something new and fresh from somebody that's written this book and they're such a smooth speaker and they're so good with their words. You know, I've bought a few books like that. And, and just in my time as a student in the Bible, learning the Bible, by the time... I boiled and broiled and sautéed and fried what was written in that book. There was nothing left. I can't cook a hamburger without... Well, I don't cook a hamburger, but maybe the time I've tried to... Man, the patty just gets so small. Somebody said, somebody said stick your finger through the patty and make it look like a donut, and that way it's going to be bigger. And it's, it, it didn't work. It didn't work. And the new self-help books and, and all of these things, it just it boils down to, to nothing when the Word of God is not there. Let's stick to the... We're sanctified. Look, verse 23, And the very God of peace from all these things sanctify you wholly. I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. The moment that you and I were saved, we were sanctified. Positionally. I mean, we're going to heaven. The moment we were saved. There's a progressive sanctification that goes on too. That God is doing and working in our lives. Look, when we met Jesus at the cross, our eternal destination didn't just change, but our earthly direction started changing. By the power of the Holy Spirit living in our lives, we have a purpose now to live for God's glory. 
And he helps us to do so. He has set us apart. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. We're not a friend of this world. We have a home in heaven. Our citizenship is there. And we are sanctified completely in one way. And we are being sanctified and changed throughout our lives. God loves us just as we were when he saved us. But he loves us too much to leave us as we were. He is making us to be more like Him. We are being conformed to the image of His dear Son. We're being sanctified. Be encouraged by that. Know that. Remember the basics. Remember the basics. And we're going to be able to be blameless before God. How do we get to a place where we're, we believe we're becoming blameless before God. Not by something new. Not by the new gospel somebody was telling me about that everybody's eating up. But by the basics. Back to the basics. A lot of this might sound tough. Maybe I sound like some, you know, typical young preachers that I am just putting something out there that's beyond obtainable. Well, the last thing we're going to share is going to take care of all of that as we look at faithfulness. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. God is giving you and I some impossibilities here without him. But with he who is faithful, this is very obtainable for you and I. To do these things, to have these things in our life. He promises to finish everything that He has called us to. He promises to work through you and I. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Chapter 2 verse 13 says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Praise God that we have His faithfulness, that what He has called us to, He will empower us to do it. I've said it before, and I'll probably say it many times through the years, our greatest ability is availability. Give yourself to God. He wants you, and He is going to work through you according to the plan He has for you. He knows it takes Him and you to do it. He knows it takes Him and me to do it. And if we'll just submit our lives to Him, these basics are good. These basics are powerful. These basics are, are our remedy when we just can't put our finger on what we need. Get back to the basics. You're in the basics? Good. Get back to more of them. Saturate yourself with these basics, with the author and finisher of our faith, which promises to work His power in us and with us and through us. We don't need something new. We need to stick to the basics. That, that, I hope that's the answer for someone tonight. If there's someone struggling, I, I, I hope that that's what you see that, that you can do and what I can do is get back to the basics. For others, we feel like we're in the basics, but, but there's something going on that we've just got to get rid of. 
it is only fleshly pleasurable desire and we we think we put it in this gray area but it's not pleasing to God and it's and it's going to hinder us from the basics that he has for us would you would you get rid of it would you get rid of it tonight that's what he wants to do that's what he has for us just see what happens in our lives when we get back to the basics just see what happens with a church when we get back to the basics. You understand, this was written to the church. This was written for the church. And, and just imagine everyone in the basics, touching, touching every point in the basics of the faith, the first of the faith. Go back to the fundamentals of our faith, and that is the answer. It's, it's always been there. It's always been right under our nose. Don't fall for the new thing out there when the backbone and passion of it is money-making off of you and I. Just get back to the Word of God that never changes, and oh, what we will see in our church. You know, it's, it's not okay if, if 95% of the church is in sweet fellowship, but there's a hindrance among some 5%. Look, we need, we need to make it right. I'm not speaking of anything at all that I think I know of. I don't. I probably wouldn't speak this bluntly. But just speaking and believing the Lord will take things. Look. Make things right with brothers and sisters in Christ. It eats me up. It eats me up all week when things aren't right. I don't like it. So much to the point that, that it goes against my own flesh and I let the Lord take me to where things, things get right. And it doesn't have to be this major formal thing. Sometimes it's just the kind, it's just the kind loving word. Sometimes it's just, it's just a word that will come out that God will give and it's the opposite of the abrasive, quiet, standoffish for one another attitude that's been going on. Oh, if we're all back to the basics, what God will do in a church. You know, uh, I've had a few people ask me before, what is your vision for the church, Pastor? I think I have a new answer. Oh, we're going to stick with the basics. <laughs> I don't like it when somebody asks that. Oh, we have the Word of God right here, and we know what we're to do. We're, we're going to stick to the basics. Is that good enough? Would you like to join? Is that good enough for you? That we're going to stick to the basics, the fundamentals, right here that have never left. Now, this is impossible. This is impossible. All of this is impossible for the one who hasn't been positionally sanctified on that moment in your life by trusting in the Lord Jesus who finished everything on the cross, who took our place, who died for our past, present, and future sins. He paid it all. And if you would like to put away some kind of white-knuckle belief of of I'm good enough or I've done this and I've attended church and this is good enough. Look, will you trust Jesus tonight? Would, if you trust Jesus, would you confess him before God's people? Do you know him in your heart? Do you want all your sins forgiven? Would you know him? 
Would you know him so that you can stick to a very simple, basic plan for success in life with God? Would you do that? I'm going to ask everyone to please rise and we're going to go to the Lord in a word of prayer. And it's time for all of us to, to have our time with God as to whatever he would have you to do. I just invite you to obey God tonight. To obey God. You'll, you'll never regret it. Let God move on you. Whether it, whether it be a person that needs to be saved. Whether it be a reconciliation within the church. Whether it be a commitment. Look. It, it, it's not going to do the job. If you come down completely to come down on your knees. Right here to this altar right now. Saying. I need to get back to the basics, Lord, and I do so tonight. I'm not saying it's a full turnkey package, but it's, it's showing your commitment. If God's moving on your heart, let it move you. Let it move you tonight. Let us pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we do come before your presence tonight. It's so good to be in your house. Lord, I, I thank you for your word. I thank you for being a simple fellow such as myself and to have such simple instructions from you, Lord. I thank you for the success that we can see and find in you. Thank you for being our father, for taking care of us. Lord, for lining out a life we could never live on our own. Thank you for saving us from all of our sins, Lord. I thank you for the blood of Christ. And I thank you for coming to, to take up your abode within us and to live within and to have the promise of being with you for eternity. Lord, I thank you for these basics tonight. And that you work in my life with what we've shared tonight. And everyone here. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Page 544. Have I